Ladies and gentlemen, up until now you've seen the creature perform the simple mechanics of motor activity, but for what you're about to see next, we must enter quietly into the realm of genius. genius. Ladies and gentlemen, mesdames et messieurs, Damen und Herren, from what was once an inarticulate mass of lifeless tissues, may I now present a cultured, sophisticated man about town. Hit it! The, the, the Sketchomatic Show. Oh my goodness. Loud noises! I sound like a siren. Sketch O Matic. Back again. Yeah! The Sketch O Matic Show podcast. Sketch O Matic. Another milestone episode ahead of you. Sketchy. Sketchy. I'm real excited about this one. A iconic TV and radio broadcaster joining me today. This one is definitely near and dear to my heart because, well, I grew up to this man on television. I distinctly, vividly remember when I was a little boy having to go to bed once this gentleman's segment had ended on television. You have to wake up early in the morning, Christian, as my mom would always remind me. Who would have thought that I would be sitting here today, many, many decades later, talking to this man? And not only that, but my special guest today has been inducted into California Sports Hall of Fame. Inducted into the California Sports Hall of Fame tonight. Coming up on 40 years here at NBC4. Give a speech for 45 minutes. (laughs) Then I put my glasses on and it said four to five minutes. And he's still on the air after 40 plus years going strong. He has many different TV segments, not just his regular on-air shift that he does every day on NBC4 LA, but he also has weekend show, he has a specialty show, he has a streaming specialty show, and he's on the air at AM570 LA. I mean, this guy has many, many roles, wears many, many different hats. It makes me elated to have him joining me here today. I mean, wow. Wow. In today's podcast, we also cover how I got to join and be a part of of his production team for the challenge at NBC for LA, which is comes on after football Sunday nights. Make sure you check it out. Wow. He's asked me to do voiceover for his Thanksgiving special, which is also on NBC for LA on Thanksgiving, (laughs) as well as a streaming segment. He calls the Dean's office, which we get into in this episode. And speaking of Thanksgiving, by the way, I'd like to reiterate what I'm grateful and thankful for in just a few words. Um, there are a few people that I have to specifically thank for giving me, for planting the seed in my head to create this podcast. And there's a few of those gentlemen, uh, mostly that I've grown up with and I went to high school with. We still connect uh, on Xbox chat almost every week because we're, you know, video game nerds like that. But one in particular guy whose name is Brandon a.k.a. Space, was the first guy to tell me years ago that I should start a podcast, that I'd be great at it. Uh, I'm not sure about the great part, but I know how to do it. I know the structure of doing it, and I vividly remember telling him, oh, man, Space, you know how much? That's so much fucking work. 
And back then, you know, I, well, I was drinking a lot more and I was uh, not in the same headspace as I am now. And I'm grateful for space giving me that idea because here we are today, even though it took me a few years to get it going. Um, he was, you know, he was the first one to actually say, you know what? You should start a podcast because I think you'd be great at it. You have such a good voice. You know, you have you do production all the time. He he knew it. He saw it. And so space, I appreciate you, bro. Thank you for giving me that idea. Thank you for the uh, inspiration and for, you know, believing in me as well as my other homies, Max Rebo, Chris Mad Dog, and of course, Brian Merkin, Matt Fate. You know, love you guys. Culver City High School friends for life. And there's so much more I could I can tell you that I'm thankful for, but I'd be just be eating up too much time. <laughs> Let's get into today's special guest podcast interview. I'm excited. Episode 15. 15. Let's dive in. Oh my god. Oh my god. Get your special guest from NBC for LA. As well as host of Rogan's Heroes, The Challenge, Going Rogan, and The Dean's Office, iconic sportscaster, and radio host at AM 570 LA Sports, Fred Rogan. That's right, you heard her. I have to reintroduce this living broadcast legend in Los Angeles, as well as other markets, the Dean of Sports. I mean, I grew up to this man. He is sitting here with me right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I am honored and pleased to present Fred Rogan on the Sketchomatic Show podcast, The Dean! Sketch, anytime anybody calls me a legend, you know what they're really saying, don't you? That you're old? I'm old. No, well, That's I mean, listen, exactly what they're saying. But I'm not saying that. I'm saying, yeah. as Sketchomatic, on the sketch, um, here as I proclaim to you podcast publicly, you are not old, you are a legend in your craft, in your prowess of being a broadcaster in Los Angeles on television and on radio. You know what's funny? So My face? I, oh. Well, aside from that, <laughs> I mean, that that is yeah. without it's having given, to say, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got in when I was 23 years old. Yeah. And now I'm 65. Well, you don't look it. I have grown up on Los Angeles TV. My entire life has been in a fishbowl. Some things... Pretty good. Some right. things, not so good. Right. Uh, but everything I have done has been basically in Los Angeles. I have lived here longer than anywhere I have in my life. Uh-huh. When I came here, I was 23. I just got here from Phoenix. And really, I was a kid. I didn't go to college. Yeah. I had six months of a junior college. And I started in radio in Globe, Arizona. Is that that's where you're born originally? I was born in Detroit. Before, oh, okay, Detroit. Shout okay, out to Detroit. Born in Detroit. Mm-hmm. What up, Detroit? And then the riots, the the uh, riots hit in '68. Right. Now my mom had arthritis, mm-hmm. and uh, we were from Detroit. She had to move to a warm climate. Well, in '68, and anybody that's lived through any kind of racial unrest knows what that was like. And I was a kid. I was nine, ten years old. I understand. Uh, it was horrible, mm-hmm. and it was it was terrifying. It was like a different planet back then, Fred. Yeah, it yeah. really was. Mm-hmm. And we had to move to a warm climate. So in the riots, uh, a lot of Detroit was destroyed. My my dad was a pharmacist and he owned a, a pharmacy and his store was destroyed in the riots. Never rebuilt it. No. Just moved away. Because right? took the insurance money and mm-hmm. moved to a warm climate. Ah, that's a good that's a good plan. Which was Phoenix. Ah, well, We'd never been to Arizona, but mm-hmm. it was good for my mother's arthritis. Right. And so I went to, uh, I started, I think, in fifth grade in Phoenix, and then I graduated high school in Phoenix. 
And I had an opportunity to go anywhere in the country to college because, believe it or not, back in the day, I was the Arizona Boys Club Boy of the Year. Thank you. I went to the Boys Club back in the day in Santa Monica in the 80s. Okay, so I was the Arizona Boys Club Boy of the Year. Oh, wow. And accompanying that title was the opportunity to go to college wherever you wanted. Uh huh. And my mother wanted me to be an attorney. I was either going to be a major league umpire or an NBA referee. I mean, you're really hitting all the questions I was going to ask you, Fred. This is why you're such a broadcaster, because I was going to ask you where you originally born, okay. what, what led you to Los Angeles, yeah. other career paths, if yeah. you hypothetically never got into broadcasting. Right. But I do want to ask you this. I, I don't want to cut you off, no, go ahead. but I, I have to like dive sure. in here real quick. And sure. I would like to dive a little bit deeper into just Fred Rogan, the person like Fred Rogan. What roads led you to want to get into radio? I'm sorry, want to get into broadcasting? No, it's radio. Oh, you got into radio first. You're right, it was radio. Interesting. So I had this opportunity to go to college anywhere, Mm -hmm. and I was sick of school. I was a straight-A kid. I was sick of school. Mm -hmm. I turned down the scholarship. My mother was very upset because she wanted me to be an attorney. Mm -hmm. I went to Phoenix Junior College and got into broadcasting class. But why? What was it that inspired you? I wanted to do play-by-play. I was a huge sports fan. My dad loved sports. Uh I lost my dad, by the way, when I was 13. Oh, wow. So my dad was a huge sports fan. Yeah, he had a heart attack. It was in the house. I tried to save him. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yeah, it and it really does affect you. Yeah, definitely. We're part of a, as Big Boy would say, we're part of a, members of a fucked up club now. My mom passed away in 2017. Okay. Yeah. And, and by you, the way, you can curse if you want on this podcast. Thank you. I said too explicit. So love to get a real. Yeah, no, you'll yeah. get, you'll get it. Yeah. Go ahead. It was pretty effed up. Yeah. Okay. So I decided to go to a junior college, get into broadcasting. I was there six months mm-hmm. and I was working for the uh, public radio station in Phoenix, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was NPR, National Public Radio, where a lot of schools have National Public Radio. So I was running the board for all things considered. How old are you at this point? Oh, my God. What was I? 18, maybe. Okay. Young, young Fred Rogan. Yeah, oh, I, I really I had really no training. I was just in this broadcast course for six months. Can I quickly interject and ask sure. you what broadcaster sports play by play announcers were you inspired by? Oh, well, back in the day, Al McCoy, who was the voice of the Suns in Arizona State. Here's Perry. Cigar hurt. Here's the jump shot. Good. It's good. It counts. Cigar hurt. Ties it. We'll go to the third overtime. Uh, as a studio guy, it was Bryant Gumbel, who mm. had just taken over NFL Live on yes. NBC. I know Bryant Gumbel. Okay, the pregame shows. Yeah. Bryant Gumbel and Mike Adamley in New York. Quickly now, we'll get you caught up on the day's scores. Houston, a winner over Oakland at 831-17. So I'm there six months, and I decided I wanted to get a job. Mm-hmm. So I went to the top of the Coliseum in Phoenix when the Suns were playing, and I had a tape recorder. My friend went with me, and I did play-by-play at the very top of the Coliseum watching the Suns. And the guy sitting next to me said, you know, it's so nice that you're describing the game for your blind friend. The guy thought my friend was blind, and I was just describing the game. <laughs> what? I, I took that tape, and I found out there was an opening in Globe, Arizona, Kiko Radio, for a play-by-play guy. So essentially, that was your demo tape. Yeah. Mm. So I drove uh, the 80 miles... East of Phoenix, up into the mountains, to Globe, which was bordered by the San Carlos Indian Reservation and the Inspiration Consolidated Copper Company. Wow, you remember all this, Fred. And the radio station was in a trailer called Patio Park. Okay. So I went to Patio Park, and Uh it it was a trailer park, and there was a trailer in there. I walked in, I met with a guy, I gave him my tape, and I said, I want to work here. He said, well, if you work here... The radio station was in a trailer? Yeah. That's cool. If you work here, Mm -hmm. not only will you do the play-by-play of the local high school teams, it was the Globe Tigers and Miami Vandals, but you also have to do a show every night. And I said, well, what am I going to do? He goes, well, we play top 40 music. 
I said, okay. And he goes, you also have to sell your own show. Whoa. You have to sell the spot. And this is your first introduction this into radio. This was it. I mean, wow. And I said, what's the job pay? And he said, $400 a month. I said, great. <laughs> and you're 18. I was 18. And I said, uh, okay, so I, I want the job. He goes, well, we're talking to some other people. Give me a week and I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. A week goes by, guy doesn't call. I call him. I said, I'm just checking in. Another week goes by, guy doesn't call. It's a true story. I call him. I'm checking in. Right. Third week goes by. Doesn't call. I call him. I say I'm checking in. Full month goes by. Full month. You're I on call. the edge of your seat. Right. Right. For $400 a month. Uh, yeah. Full month goes by. I call him and he says, look, you've got to stop calling me. <laughs> if you promise to stop calling me, you're hired. Just stop calling me. <laughs> How long after till you actually officially got the job? Uh, it was a month. Oh, I mean, yeah. boom, you're hired. Oh, wow. Just because you didn't call. You, I you, didn't. I, I promise I won't call anymore. And when I work for you, I won't call you. And he said, fine. Yeah. You're hired. I drive up to Globe. Uh-huh. I rent a trailer. I, by the way, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't cook. I don't know anything. You're just so fresh. And as like a young, you're a young right. adult. You're finally 18. Yeah. You're not even old enough to buy booze yet. Right. I mean, you're on the radio. What shift did you get? Okay, uh, 8 till 12 midnight. I was Uncle Fred, the kitty's friend, the ambassador of mirth and merriment, a ray of sunshine in your otherwise dreary day. Did you, now, when you went on your first time, other than doing the demo, and then you go on air, are you nervous? Are you shaking in your your shoes? I I was terrified. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And back then, we had reel-to-reel tape recorders. I remember. I started on reel-to-reel. So what I would do, and you had to learn how to cue cue up music on turntables, right? So you didn't wow them. Yeah, so you're a DJ. I was DJing. Go ahead, DJ Fred Rogan. That's right. That's who I was, man. DJ Dean, right? Yeah. (laughs) You didn't even know it. (laughs) No. So anyway, I start doing that. And in every intro, and you know, when you do Top 40 radio, you're only talking 15 seconds of pop. I would record every one of them behind me. And when the music was on, I would listen back to it to hear my voice and to see how I was delivering the line and to see if my inflection was correct. uh, Critiquing yourself as you went along. Every single time. So essentially, you're practicing on the air. Right. That's what I was doing. That is crazy. That's what I was doing. I mean, this is wild. Yeah. And then I would go and I would do the play-by-play of the Globe Tigers. I'd have to take my remote kit to the high school areas and then set up, do the game, drive back. I was selling my own show. Back then, you'd sell for 50 cents a spot. Hey, you want to buy commercial time? It's 50 cents a spot. I mean, wow. And what you would do, because you got paid by the number of spots you had, you would cut the record short and get more spots in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You right? could. That's when it almost started getting to like three-minute songs. Yeah. Well, I don't know about back then, but now the songs are like three minutes tops and you're right. out. Right. So I would just like cut them down. I'd kind of pot them down and uh, then start running spots because I got paid more. Damn, you were editing the songs, yeah. listening to yourself on the reel-to-reel, yeah. creating demos as you went along. What right. was your PD, the guy, the... The man that okay. hired you, how did he feel about your first time being on air? Your first Gene Pearsall thought it was great, but right. the guy that owned the station, I've told the story, was named Willard Shoecraft. Okay. Willard uh, was a very successful businessman uh, and uh, a legend in, in those parts. Right. And uh, also had no legs. Wow. And uh, he lost his legs, and he did not have prosthetic legs. So He's just in a wheelchair? He didn't have a wheelchair. Whoa. He kind of hopped around. What? And he had an incredible upper body because all he oh, would yeah, do was yeah. hop. And one day I come in and I sit down and we at my desk and I'm preparing for my show. And I feel something on my ankle and I'm terrified. 
I think maybe there's an alligator or something under the desk, or and it's got me by the ankle. Right? Oh my god! Or a snake. And right, <laughs> and I and I move away from the desk as quickly as I can, and I and I'm really frightened. I look down; it was Willard under my desk, grabbing my <laughs> I ankle. Feel terrible for laughing at this, but yeah, I mean, but it's this, true. This it's is true. wild. Did you know? That did he not, didn't. This it, is your first introduction to no, that as no, well. No, no, no. Oh. I met him. Oh, first okay, time okay. I met him. You're right. He was at his desk. Uh. And he was uh, sitting there. Yeah. And then he came around to shake my hand and he kind of hopped out of his chair and he kind of hopped on the ground. Oh, man. So I was in Globe less than a year and I put together a demo tape and I went to Yuma. And you edited your own demo tape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is crazy. For, I want to dive into a little bit because I remember okay. when we first spoke. I only have yeah. you for a certain set of no, time ahead, and I, I want to. Okay. One is you seem to have an innate gift of delivery. Just listening to you talk right now and since I've met you. On and off air, you have this this very it's a very specific dialect that you you have and it you don't have like an accent from Detroit. You don't seem to have any kind of accent. It's very articulate. Have you did you always have that when you started in radio or did you develop? I mean, how did you did I, grow I into your I voice? Much, I think I pretty much spoke like this. My yeah. voice was much higher. Right. When I started, because I didn't understand how to use it. Yes. And you have to learn that. Okay. Normally, if you go to school for more than six months, you learn those things. I kind of learned on the fly. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I learned on the fly. And then also, so you're you're doing your job and you're in Arizona, right? You're on the air. I'm in, I'm in uh, at this point, Globe. Globe, yeah. right. And then Globe eventually. Yuma. Uh, Yuma, right. Right. And so Yuma, I went down there and I was uh, uh, rock and roll rogue and every day, 10 to 3. Another biscuit from the Everloving Oven of Hits. Is there demos out there of that? I, on I, I don't know oh where they are. My God, it, I have to try to yeah, find something. That would go be on. Great. Please. So I'm doing that, and I'm doing the play-by-play of the Kofa Kings, the high school team. And there they have a TV station. So I went up to him and I said, you know, we're owned by the same people. I would like to try out to be on TV. Ah. And they looked at me and they said, this is Yuma, Arizona. What do you think? Who do you think we are? We don't have tryouts to be on TV. And I was kind of sad. The guy goes, you want to be on TV? You are on TV. And that's how I got on TV. Wait, wait, wait. So dive a little bit deeper into that. You, so you're on TV. I was on radio. Right. And they had a TV station. Uh, and I wanted. I thought, well, hell, I'll try TV. Uh-huh. Because I always thought I had a face for radio. But I'll try TV. I have a face for radio. Uh, well, a, voice for tele- a voice for television face for radio. That's uh, me right well, that's there. That's what all I thought. Day. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So anyway, I asked to try out. And the guy says, there are no tryouts. No auditions. If, no, there are no auditions here. If you want to be on... You're on. Just like that. That's how I got on TV. So you immediately get handed a, just, and you do a, an on-air slot on TV? I'm doing the sports every night now. They had no sports guy. And how old are you at this point? I was like 19. Oh my God, Fred, this is crazy. Like 19, maybe 19 and a half. Okay. And for radio, I got paid $750 a month. And for TV, I got paid $5 a day. Which equal to a month? Well, five times. Uh, I'm, I'm terrible at math. Uh, it's fifty two hundred dollars. Okay, so it wasn't that great at all. Not compared to the radio gig, right? Right. right. I mean, that's no, wild. Was it two hundred? Was a hundred bucks? Oh, it was a hundred bucks. It was a hundred bucks compared a month to your four hundred a month. For no, the, this was seven fifty now. Ah, so I was close to a thousand a month. Yeah, that's a lot of money back then, though. Right. For so, sure. Well, you know. Uh, yeah, you I mean, know, we'll, we'll consider be serious. <laughs> so uh, I'm doing this. And uh, now I'm on TV. Understand, I don't know anything about right. what I'm doing, so I'm learning on the fly. I'm making my own graphics. Are you bombing at all? Do you, no, do you, you can't bomb. I mean, but do you make a mistake? Do you fumble over your own words? What there's happens? No, there's no prompter. There's no teleprompter. You're when I started, the paper. cameras right. were black and white. Oh, my God. 
And I also didn't know, because I'd never done it, how long the script should be, how much I should prepare. So I literally prepared novels. Wow. I mean, they were thick scripts. And because there were no graphics, I created them at the station. I took pictures of things and had them superimpose them behind me. So you were doing your own visual imaging yeah. as well, Fred. I did that, yeah. You were like, and I remember we've had this discussion, when, and I want to quickly kind of shift gears, but I also want to talk more about going from... Uh, Yuma to LA. Which okay. how did you get there? Okay. Okay. And so, then also the the challenge. I want to talk about about, right. about the challenge and how you brought me on Good. as gonna, the voiceover. I mean, this is so much, but we only have a little bit of time. No, no, I'm, I'm going to guide you all through. Okay, it. copy that. So I'm in Yuma. I'm making my own graphics. I'm on TV. There's no prompter. So what I did is I memorized the copy every day. That was a lot of memorization, but it taught me how to work without a prompter, which taught me how to be more. Um, authentic and communicative when i spoke mm -hmm. i didn't need to rely on that i wasn't a reader and that also comes sketch and you know this yes uh from working in radio if you work in radio if you do any time behind a, a radio microphone you're forced to communicate one-on-one -on -one to people right where many people on tv read mm -hmm. the ones that distinguish themselves are the ones able to communicate and those are the people normally with a radio background i'm in yuma i'm there about a year I go to Austin, Texas, mm -hmm. the ABC TV station. I'm the sports guy there. I'm there about a year, um, and an opportunity presents itself in Phoenix at KTAR, now KPNX, uh -huh. and uh, to be the, the 5 o'clock sports guy and do the Phoenix Suns pregame show. Uh -huh. So I apply for that job, and I get it. Now I'm back home. I'm in Phoenix, and I'm doing the 5 o'clock sports. That's and exciting. And I create hell. this kind of... Uh, image that mm -hmm. i kind of do off the wall kind of quirky kooky things yes which is picked up by all the nbc stations in the country and they're now all running my stuff knbc in los angeles has an opening so you're being syndicated already yeah sort there, of there was an nbc in-house feed i see that all the stations subscribe to so to supplement your your news content you could select stories from this feed and you could chop them up and run them as voiceovers you could take complete reports. Wow. But my stuff was so odd that they ran it. And I realized that they were running a lot of the stuff from Phoenix because it, it, it would play anywhere. Right. It was more broad -based. It was very generic as well. You could it, just gener uh, generic. Right. It was like and, yeah. different kinds of golf pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Driving in a demolition derby. Things I like see. That. Yeah, yeah. It you could know, be trying anywhere. Trying to ride a horse. And it could be like evergreen as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And they were. Mm-hmm. I realized that KNBC in Los Angeles was running a lot of my stuff from Phoenix. I didn't know. And they never asked you or told well, no, you? No, because they subscribed I to see, feed. I see, right, right. So they were running it, running it. They had an opening, and they called me. Oh. And they said, would you come out and talk to us? So I came out, and I spoke to them. Did you fly out or drive out? I, oh, I flew. They okay. flew me in. Yeah, yeah. nice. Um, I, I flew in. I met with them. They said, okay, we'll get back to you. And I'll never forget it. I get a call in Phoenix from Erwin Sofchek, who is no longer with us. He was the news director then. And he says, uh, Mr. Rogan. If you accept our offer, and I went, I accept. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. I didn't even know what the offer was. Wow. Because in Phoenix, I was making $15,000 a year. Wow. And, and you're only 20 at this point or something. Well, how I was now? 20 when I got it. Like 22 now. Oh, my God. So, and you never had a regular job in your no, life. No, 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 no. This was it. I mean, that is so crazy. For, please continue. So I said, I accept. Uh -huh. You do? Okay, well, we're going to pay you $40,000. I thought that was $40 million. Yeah, of course. I went, I'll take it. Cha-ching. So I started here when I was 23. 
And what year is this? 80. Yes. And at that time, and I don't know if it's still the case, probably not, but for many years following that, I was the youngest person to ever anchor any type of Los Angeles news. I remember seeing you, Fred Rogan, in the 80s. Yeah. Watching you on Johnny Carson. Right. He is Channel 4's news and sports anchor and reporter. Would you welcome Fred Rogan? What do you think of the Olympics? Well, I'll tell you, I think we're going to do a lot better during the Seoul Olympics in the uh, in the summer games. Yeah. Because NBC will have the games, and of course, we'll do it right. That's the case. <laughs> we will do it right. So, I mean. What happened was, I realized early on, and, yeah. and you're a master at this in radio, you understand these things, that you have to build franchises or promotables or something that becomes a staple that you go yes, to. Yes, yes. And I created the Hall of Shame. The following is a presentation of Sunday Night Sports, recognized throughout Southern California as the leader in sports insanity. It's time for the coveted Hall of Shame Awards. It's Fred Rogan Sports Bowl 87. Thank you, Don Pardo, and good evening, everyone. Welcome to our biggest night of the year. We've got a lot to show you, and this year we have changed the ground rules just a little bit. Now, there are going to be three segments. The first is Rogan's Heroes, the second, the Hall of Shame, and the third, a salute to the winners. That was before Rogan's Heroes? The Hall of Shame started everything. <sighs> and those were all the bloopers. And the way we used to do them, there were many movies, yeah. a lot of production. I'm going to play a clip. Very detailed. Yeah. And then, so we had all the oddball blooper stuff. We needed something good. So we started plays of the week, and those were the great plays. Right. And one night I'm at a bar, Stanley's in Encino, and uh, I don't know, it's late. I go up to get a drink. The bartender says to me, hey, Hogan's Heroes? Rogan's Heroes. What? The bartender at Stanley said, Hogan's Heroes? Rogan's Heroes. What? And this is when Hogan's Heroes was still very Hogan's huge. Heroes, people knew right, about yes, Hogan's absolutely. Heroes. Absolutely. I'll play a quick clip of that as well. So, okay, this bartender, so I went, go ahead. Rogan's Heroes. Yeah. What was the bartender's name? I don't remember. Okay. I, I couldn't tell you, but okay. he just said it. And uh, I went, huh. So I went to the station and I went to the graphics department and I asked them to create me as a little general head. That's what I said. Make me a general head. Put me in a little general uniform like a cartoon. Right. And we'll call it Rogan's Heroes. In hockey, the thank you Payne Weber shot goes to Paul Sear of the Rangers, who banked the puck off the Payne Weber sign and into the net against St. Louis. So Rogan's Heroes then started with the great plays every week. Mm-hmm. All right. Then a national syndicator, MCA, came to me and said, we want to take the show national. And this is just when America's Funniest Home Videos was launching. Dude, you're like on fire. You're like a rocket ship. Yeah, I was doing okay. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't argue that. <laughs> um, and what happened was they wanted to do, they loved the Hall of Shame. Yeah. Because the Hall of Shame was the standard. Very good. Uh, and people tried to And copy nobody it. else could, did it before no, you? It, Were no. you the originator of all that, Fred? Well, I, I don't know. I, like I bloopers was here. and all that? I was here. Okay. I don't know if I was in the country, but right. certainly as it developed here, I yeah, got I mean, a lot of credit. Either uh, I deserved it or didn't. So you're like a trendsetter, Fred. You started something back then right. and you were young as, as hell. Right. Okay. So the syndicator said, we want to do the show and they wanted the Hall of Shame. They tested the Hall of Shame. Mm hmm. And it came up negative. Not the concept, but the name. Hall of Shame. Oh, I see. So we decided we would call the show Rogan's Heroes, 
but 90% of it was the Hall of Shame. Now, did Hogan's Heroes try to come after you no. a little bit or a copyright or too close no, similarity? I, I had that. I had that when we uh, did a bit that Saturday Night Live did. The old <gasps> Mr. Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, no, and, Mr. Bill. Right, yeah, yeah. Mr. Bill. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my TV's on the blink, and I'm trying to fix it for Saturday night tonight. Here's your problem, Mr. Bill. It isn't plugged in. <laughs> and the uh, Giants were playing the Broncos. And uh, we made Mr. Bill Parcells, a little clay Mr. Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got a bottle of orange crush soda and crushed Mr. Bill, just like they would on Saturday Night yeah. Live. I mean, we really did it well. Man. And I think that cost the station seventy-five grand for copyright infringement. And I said, it's a parody. And the response was, no, they do the parodies. Wow. Not you. And we had done it so well. It looked official. It was so precise. Yeah. It looked like it came from SNL. Like claymation. Yeah. Well, stop, uh, back then it wasn't. Right. Back then they moved them. Right. It was like stop and go. Like yeah, you'd yeah, have yeah, to yeah, move yeah. it. It took forever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had done it so precisely that we got sued for. That was the only time we ever That's got a compliment, for that. though. In the same in the same essence, you're getting sued for copywriting for what? Too close. But at the same time. That's how good it was that it, it they had to see because it's yeah, too I, close. I, I, you know what? And you who did the production? I did. You did the production on yeah. the. Oh my, Fred. Okay, yeah. let me let me quickly veer into this. Okay. I want to I want to shine a spotlight on when I first met you when you when we first started talking when you brought me as the voiceover uh, to the challenge. I remember you you explained to me that you you were like sketch. So most people think I'm a TV guy. Right. Most people think I'm a radio guy. Right. And you said, and this is what caught me off guard. You go, but I'm neither. And I'm like, what? And you go, I'm a production guy, an imaging guy. And I'm like, what the fuck? That's what I am. So now I see where the production and the imaging skills come from because you were doing all that simultaneously while being on the air at NBC or when you first got to LA. See, here's why. Here's why. And a couple of things. And I'm going to pay you a compliment in a second. Oh, thank you. First of all, if you go on the air, if you're the talent, mm-hmm. if you're the face, mm-hmm. you have a shelf life. You have a shelf life. Right. Look, in 42 years, I've aged. You have a shelf life. And when management comes in or things change, and it oftentimes does, they can look at you and say, you know what? You're not our cup of tea. Mm-hmm. We're going to go in a different direction. And that's why you find people in our business that jump around so much. Right. They need jobs. Right. New people come in. Maybe you didn't test well in research. I never based anything on me. I based everything on what I could do Mm. and how things look. Mm. You know, production is funny. If I lined up five bottles of water in front of you, Mm. Arrowhead, Crystal Geyser, DeSante, five different bottles. Okay. I took off all the labels and all the bottles were the same. I said, drink. At the end of it, I go, what do you think? Which one was better? And you'd look at me and go, well, they're all water. Right. It's how you package things that makes them stand uh, yes, out. Yes. You know, why is Grey Goose vodka considered better than Smirnoff? Or well, even, the bottom line is it's the packaging, it's the marketing, and it's they charge more. Right. Even Fiji water. Yeah. That bottom water line wise. is it's all water. Yeah, it's just water. But and guess so what? Purifying. It's all vodka. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the way it's, it's put together. Marketed. Yeah. Yes. And I always thought the image of something and the concept outweighs who's doing it most of the time. You have to have the right cast in any production. But if you produce things differently and in a unique manner, and you understand what the audience wants, 
that will succeed. And that's how I've always approached everything. So you, you come into the challenge. We've been doing the challenge for like 15, 16 years. Damn. And right. I, I freshen the challenge every three years. Right. And one of my producers said to me, why are you changing it? I said, because if I'm bored, so is the audience. And that's when you brought me on? You were in the latest incarnation of the challenge. Right. Where I changed the set. Conceptually, we changed the internal production of the show. Right. New music, new graphics. Yeah, and we even had Above Los field. Angeles. Right, right. Above right. Los Josh. Angeles. Josh. And you. Yeah. And I thought, you know, you are so good at what you do. Thank you. And what people don't understand is a lot of times they're hearing things. And the way we consume, we listen and we know if we like it or if we don't. It's really pretty simple. Right. You don't know who did it. You don't know how it was put together. Right. You don't know the time and the effort that went into the it. The technical logistics of it all. You don't know. Mm -hmm. You're listening. You're yeah. listening to this right now. You either like it or you don't. It's pretty simple. Right. No, I'm going to add some cool shit to it, though. But no, <laughs> but I'm saying yeah. what you do is so incredibly unique. And it it really ties everything together. Without you, there's nothing. And I mean that from a production standpoint. Thank you standpoint. so much, Fred. That but, means so much to me. But Seriously. without you, and, and I'll also share this, mm -hmm. that you've done the challenge, and I called you one day, and I said, I need some help. Yeah. I'm working on something else. You said, okay. Yeah. I said, I need, do you know anyone that does a British voice? I'm doing this concept called the Dean's Office. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and ultimately, I wanted to run on our OTT platform, which is basically streaming, and we'll see what else we can do with it. I need somebody that does a British voice. Yeah. And you said, well, you've called the right guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, oh, you know somebody? You said, no, I do. Yeah, I could do it. All right. Yeah, I did it. I sent you the copy. Mm -hmm. You got it back to me really within a half hour. Yeah. And well, you're Fred Rogan. Of course, I'm going to do this. This is just a demo. This is just like we're yeah. screwing around. Yeah, yeah. See. I listened to it and I burst out laughing. <laughs> I must have played it for like 10 people. Really? And I said, what do you think? What do you think of this guy? <laughs> My God, you know, you, you got a guy in London. I said, no, he's the guy that does the challenge. And what did he's they the say? He's the same guy. Really? And they went, oh my God. That, I went, do you understand? These people are pros. Yeah. They're yeah. pros. If you work in radio, yeah. let me tell you, you're a pro. Yeah. You have a skill set that is so far superior, and no disrespect to my television colleagues, because they all all very talented. But the skill set to do this is so far superior than the skill set to do television. In TV, let's face it. People like you or they don't. Right. You're standing there. Well, you got longevity, Fred. Well, because of the production elements yeah. that I introduced. Right. Imagine if I had just gone on for this number of years and done nightly sports. Right. I would have been everyone. I would have been anyone. Right. In a world where everything is the same, nothing is different. You wouldn't stood out from the rest. Nothing would have distinguished what we did. Right. And I built everything around production. And not me. Interesting. There are guys in our market that, uh, and I give them credit, they're at every event, they talk to every player, they get every interview. I've always maintained that the audience doesn't need that. Now, this is just me, and I could be wrong. I've maintained the only thing that mattered is what the audience saw. That's all. No one cared what it took to put it together. No one cared how long you worked on getting it. What do they see? And by taking elements from everywhere and producing them in a certain manner, your stuff looks different. Mm -hmm. It's unique. It's unusual. So while everybody is doing the exact same interview, right. 
we i i always told our guys we're not doing that no you remixed it we've you got to come up. up with something and it's different. the production That's mind you have that led yeah. you to all that and and you obviously when you heard my production for the king's intro when i before it was crypto.com arena so good la city are you ready it's about to begin. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your Los Angeles Kings. That intro got me the job with you on the challenge. So good. Unfortunately, that, that intro didn't last very long at Staples Center. Well, because they Center. changed the guy Yeah, they changed the, the head of live events. Yeah. And for, but, you know, shout out to him for, for bringing me on. And then, you know, the crypto.com thing all changed. But I will like to say and reiterate that on episode two of this podcast, I talked about you. Oh, you the did? The story about how it all came to be. And when you walked into the studio, into my studio, when I still worked on the fourth floor here at iHeart, yeah. it, was, it was like completely surreal, Fred Rogan. Because, again, I watched you growing up. I knew that when you came on the the news at night, it was time to go to bed, you know, because it was already like getting close to, you know, or, the Tonight Show and I all put that. People in a coma. Not at all, man. I literally marveled at everything you've done in your career. And to be sitting here with you right now is unreal. But not only that, but to be on your show and to do the dean's office. I got to play that that intro real quick or both intros just so the. 10 people listening to this right now will we'll understand what it is that you're going to love it. Yeah, it's, well, of course. Good. Most of them have heard it already. Go ahead, Fred. No, I just want to say this. Here's, here's the thing about operating a business. Yeah. And I've had my own production company as well. And so why you in that scenario? Mm. You know what, what? What you learn is that you have to surround yourself with the most talented, intelligent people and let them do their thing. Yeah. You don't micromanage them. You don't. You don't stay all over them. Don't hovercraft. Right. Don't hovercraft. If you know what you're doing and you're that good, then I thank you for working with me. I thank you for making me better. And I've always tried to surround myself with people that are really talented, really creative people. Right. In all of the years. When we used to hire sports producers at Channel 4, they would say, uh, okay, well, you want to hire some guys? Yeah, we got to hire somebody. Okay. Here's some resumes from sports producers. And I'd always say the same thing. I don't want any of those. I don't want any of Because they're all the same. I don't want any sports producer resumes. Really? I want creative people that can do sports, not people that know sports. We have interns at Channel 4 now. We have one currently. And a guy comes in, he starts giving me all the sports takes, and he's telling me everything. He's a college kid, nice kid. And I said, here's what I need you to do. But he's giving me the sports takes, and he's talking about it. And I finally said, I'm not going to use his name. I said, look. I need you to listen to me. I do this for a living. Yeah, you do. I get it. Yeah. You know what? I do it every day mm-hmm. in Los Angeles radio. Twice a day, three times a day. But I do it on the radio. Yeah. Where I need to know what I'm talking about. Right. You can't fool people in radio. TV, you can fool them. Right. Radio, you can't. Yeah. I need to know. I could be wrong. I could be right. But I need to know. And at least I've got an opinion. Yeah. I said, I don't need your opinions. I don't need you here to give me your opinion. I need talent. I need creativity. you to create. Yes. I need you to create things. Mm-hmm. I need you to create social media things. And I showed him some examples of stuff I wanted him to do. By the way, he can't do it. Oh. He just can't do it. Um, but here he is with the sports takes. I said, no, no. And, and I told our guys, I said, all right, you need to move him a little bit and put him where he's going to succeed. Because mm-hmm. I also believe you always must put people in their best position to succeed right. in life. Right. If you're failing, that could be my fault. 
I put you in the wrong place. So you got to find the right lane. Right. And, and, yeah. and if you're overseeing something, you have to be able to identify what that lane is. Right. And then put you there so you do your best work. You are your happiest and you are your most productive when you do your best work. If I put you in a position and you're not qualified or or it just doesn't, it's not a fit for you, you're miserable, you're upset, you're anxious, you're not working, you become embittered. Mm-hmm. I'm not pleased because I'm not getting your best work out of you. Mm-hmm. So it's my responsibility, mm-hmm. really, or anyone who is running anything to make you happy. But by making you happy does not mean, well, I'll give you a raise and then you'll still be in the same shitty job. Mm-hmm. No. I need to find a way to challenge you every single day and make you your best. And if you're your best, then I become my best and then we all succeed. Brilliantly said. I mean, the intro for the challenge really did put me outside of my comfort zone. It, took, it went through Why? A, well, not bad in a bad way, but it was like because I wanted to impress. I wanted to be creative. I wanted to really make it stand up. Remember, it went through a few music bed changes. Yeah, we did. It took a while. And obviously, the, the general public doesn't know about that. They no. don't really care. But it is like you said earlier, it is the technical logistics that we have to travel to get to that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. And, but th- again, that's you. Yeah. You see, that's you. And that's what you do. Yeah. And that's why. You have been as successful. I'll say this for people listening. If you have any idea, and you probably don't, what it takes to image major market radio. When I heard your King's intro, Mm -hmm. which you played for me, I realized, wait a minute. You're just not the imaging guy at a radio station, a major market station. Yeah. No, no. You can do more. And that's what it hit me. I had kind of put you as you're at iHeart. Right. And your stuff is spectacular. Thank you. But then I went, wait, if you're so good here, why couldn't you be really good over here? And you took a chance on me, man. No, I you didn't did. take any chance. You, I knew what it would be. Yeah, and it, but it came out so good. And then, But to follow up on the, the British, the dean's office, I mean, that was just so much fun to put together. Oh, and by the way, Jared hit me last night from NBC. And he asked, he said, oh, by the way, we're going to have some more thanks for the Thanksgiving special. Is it uh Oh, uh, Rogan's Heroes Thanksgiving, which is. Yes. The number one, the most watched locally produced television show every year in Los Angeles. So more people watch of the shows that are produced in L.A., which is all newscasts, special uh, public affairs shows, things like that. This is the most watched show, Rogan's Heroes Thanksgiving. Yeah. And um, you did it last year. Yeah, I did it last year. Ro- but so I, I think, but you did, you had a different tone to I you. I did. Again. It was more upbeat. It was more yeah. uh, kind of like family friendly. Right. Very like, you know, Rogan's Heroes Thanksgiving. Right. It's very. From the Universal Hilton Hotel, it's Rogan's Heroes Thanksgiving. Then the challenge is like, from, what is it? Uh, live. From Los Angeles with Fred Rogan and Petros Papadakis for The Challenge. Now, from Los Angeles, you're live with Fred Rogan and Petros Papadakis for The Challenge. Can you remember a little of the Dean's Office? You've reached the dean's office, something like that. Yeah, I don't remember the exact script, but that's what it was. Welcome and I to the, the dean's yeah, office. Yeah, welcome to the dean's office. Today, the dean will be delivering three lectures. Pay attention, take notes if you're inclined, and at the conclusion of the lectures, you will have an opportunity to win. School is now in session. Fred, can you do any accents no, at all? Do you do no. any impressions? Everybody's always said to me, yeah. you know, you ought to do commercials. You ought to do voice work. Yeah. You have a voice. And I can mean, I tell you something? Please. What you do mm-hmm. 
is so special Thank and so unique. And I've actually talked to some of the people here, and I said, maybe I'll get into voiceovers. You should. But no, I won't. Oh. And I'll tell you why. What you do is an art, and I can't do that. And I know, and even my family says, you need to be doing voiceovers. There's a, such a unique skill to that. You're a voice actor. You're a voice actor. And that's hard. That's not easy. It's not, you know, you say, well, people can do voices or walk around on the street. You have no idea how hard it is to do what you do. That's really tough. And to master it is incredible. I don't have that. I know I don't have that skill set. I wish I did. I well, could make more money, you but have, I don't. You have skill sets in so many other areas that actually they've made me evolve. Your skill set, watching you work, Fred, has made me pivot and evolve in, in, in greater ways, along with Big Boy and just working in commercial production at iHeart. You know, it's, I, I get taken out of my comfort zone for a lot of different projects, not meaning I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do this. It's just I'm not used to doing one thing and then switching gears so quickly. But today but, you have to. Yeah, and, it, and that is that is such a valuable skill set to have. Yeah. And I watched it, for, I learned it from watching you work, Fred, and watching Kevin Figures work and Ronnie, all the people behind your team. And I would like to quickly touch on that before we wrap up here. I know I got to let you go pretty soon, but I, I, there's just so many avenues of conversation in the radio and TV broadcast realm. Um, in regards to working at NBC4 LA, yeah. which you've worked at for how many years? 42. Now? Oh, my God. That's just what? fantastic. Congratulations. Got to play a little round of applause for that. Nobody else would hire me. <laughs> but then you get over. I remember hearing you on before it was KLAC. I remember there was another station you worked at, which was uh, the Beast 980. Remember that for the a brief? Beast 980. Yes. I worked at the ticket. Yes. I was always a radio guy. In my heart, I'm a radio guy yeah. at the TV. And uh, I love radio because radio is the purest form of communication. Mm -hmm. Radio, you're actually talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Radio, you're actually impacting them. Yeah. When people watch television, they watch passively. They sit back and they stare and they watch and they listen. Right. In radio, the audience is engaged. Yes. They are engaged with you. Right. And you have to be prepared and you have to know your stuff. Right. And you're communicating thoughts and ideas with your audience with your audience back and forth. Right. Sometimes they don't like what you say. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they call and yell at you. Sometimes they tell you you're great. But what you've done in radio is created this club, this fraternity, this family that comes together every day and joins you. From their cars. From their cars, from their, from their offices. Right. Um, walking around, we have so many people right. that are delivery people um, listening on the app. Yeah. They come together because it's, it's, you know, we're better together. Yeah. And people want to be together and they want to be with people they care about and they want to be with people they enjoy. Not only that, Fred, but your voice, you know, going back to the, the, the voiceover work and, and just your voice, as unique as it is. And I've tried to do impressions of you, Fred. I, can't, I haven't met anyone that can do an impression of you like to the T because your voice is so distinct. This is why I think you'd work in voiceovers, not being a voice actor to play something else or to be some yeah. British accent. Just you. Yeah. You know, I mean, just being yourself because that voice is so it just takes me back. And it's oh, by the way, this is what I wanted to say. Right. It's a comforting thing about you. There's a comfort factor when i hear your voice because i grew up to it and then when i see your face on television and i'm sitting right in front of you right now it's there's a certain blanket of comfort that you you supply your your audience 
that is is unmatched. And I think that is something that is hard to find in the media today, to find that face along with a voice that everybody's like, oh, Fred Rogan. And it just, it brings, it makes you feel like you're home. You know, it's funny that you say that. Um, if I'm walking around on the street, mm-hmm. and so it's been this way for 42 years, I have to tell you, and you see me every day. Yes. I mean, we're friends. Yes. Um, I'm not somebody that stands out. I'm smaller than you think I am. And I'm just kind of an average guy. I really am. I guess you could blend in easier. That's a kind way to put it. Let's put it like this. I don't stand out. And I'm aware of that. There's nothing distinguishable about me when you see me that you go, oh, hey, no, it just doesn't exist. I'm well aware of that. For me, it was your voice. I heard you through the door. That's the thing. Yeah. Anytime I go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, you could be staring at me. And not knowing anything about me. And if I say something, go, oh, my God. Fred Rogan. Fred. Immediately. When you're in the store, it's do you get recognized by the voice? voice? Interesting. It's always, always the voice. Let me no ask one you, ever recognizes me without the voice. Let me ask you, in regards to the interviews you've had over the many, many, the decades you've worked in radio and broadcasting yeah. on television. Yeah. Can you name just at least one or two that really stood out to you? I mean, obviously, we're going to go to Kobe Bryant, right? Yes, Kobe Bryant by far. Right. Kobe always made himself available to mm-hmm. me. You know, I'm not a guy that wants to go into the locker room with 30 guys, stick a microphone in your face right. and say, what do you think? I, I'm yeah. not that guy. I won't be that guy. I've never been. I'd rather book a hotel suite, bring three cameras in and get you for an hour. Fancy. Fancy Fred Rogan style. Let's, let's get to it. Yeah. Let's really do this. I probably did four or five of those with Kobe. Wow. And he always made himself available because you don't ask all the time because there's not, it, you need him when you need him. Right. He was spectacular. Yeah. He was spectacular. What was your last interview with him? What, oh, when did God. that happen? I think that was the one, the bit, a big sit down yeah. was the Olympics. Yeah. Um, the Olympic trial, the Olympic practice in Vegas. And that's when he told me back then that, um, yeah, I'm not going to do this much longer. And I said, no, y- you are. Oh, retire. Yeah. And right. He, no, right. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, really like, no, not I'm good. Do, I'm done. Yeah. I'm really not going to do it much longer. Maybe now you're ready for this role. Maybe you're ready to lead this team. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I've learned quite a bit and uh, I think playing for Phil is, is, is taught me a lot. I mean, I, in terms of how to lead this ball club and, um, how to manage situations. Um, so, you know, from from that standpoint, I'm I'm ready. Crazy because I'm a year older than he was. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm 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 about to be 45 years old, Fred. Oh in god. January, he passed away a day after my uh, 42nd birthday. Oh my god! And I was the next. My my birthday fell on a Saturday, and it the next Sunday. day it was a Sunday it morning. Was a Sunday, yeah. And I was. I mean, I couldn't believe that. That it happened. It took a while to, and then the tribute I put together, which you played on oh, your show, it was fantastic. On KLAC, can we quickly talk about? Um, and then I'll wrap up with sure. you. We'll sum up going from the different radio stations. You see yeah. your longevity at, at NBC Four LA, yeah. but then how do you end up on back at KLAC or just on KLAC AM five seventy? Okay, quickly. Right. I come to town. I'm doing TV. I always missed radio. Mm-hmm. Missed it. Wanted to do radio. You're a radio guy, uh, right? Missed it desperately. Mm-hmm. I mean, when radio, I, I can't emphasize this enough. When radio is in your blood, it's in your blood. And you it, it does not leave. Oh, you don't I get, get it. a transfusion. Yeah, no, it's part of so, my DNA. Right. If you start in it, that's who you are. I'm dying in it. Right. And you can make a lot of money in TV, not as much in radio, but radio is what you love. Yeah. So I came here. They started a radio station called The Ticket, 1540 The I remember. Ticket. All right. They called me. They were starting a station to compete in the market. They hired me and they hired this kid. 
this real brash, abrasive kid named Petros. <laughs> Shout out to Petros. I did the midday. Mm-hmm. Petros did the afternoon drive. <sighs> and then at 2.30, because he came on at 3, at 2.30, he and I did 30 minutes of crosstalk. And that's where we built our relationship that we carried over to the challenge. So we did this crosstalk. It worked. Um, and there was a chemistry there. I left there and I came here and I did mornings with TJ Simers and his daughter. Mm. Okay. That didn't work so well. Mm -hmm. Uh, TJ's brilliant, by the way. Right. And his daughter was fantastic. It just didn't work. TJ wasn't a radio guy. Copy that. Okay, so that was the end of that. Mm -hmm. But I still filled in here all the time Mm -hmm. because I just liked doing it. Um, And they were thinking about putting me on nine to noon. And this is when the Dodgers were involved in the, the sale of the station. Right. And a new station started called the Beast 980. Yes. And they called me and said, do you have a contract at KLAC? And I said, no. They said, we want to talk to you. Okay. So I was filling in here all, I was on all the time. Yeah. But they called me and said, uh, all right, here's the offer. So I created an offer that they couldn't give me. In other words, I, I created this scenario. I need a car. I need this. I want to opt out of my deal if I want. I put all this stuff in where there's no way. Right. They're going to give this to you. Right. Because I, I'm not going to leave here. I mean, I'm only filling in here. You're going to make guys, them an offer. They will refuse. Right. And I figured, well, you know, the money's nice. But I mean, these guys, I, I love these guys. Right. Okay. We are on a baseball trip. We used to take the kids on baseball trips and we're in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we're sitting out by the pool in St. Louis, and the phone rings, and it's them. And they go, well, um, everything you asked for, you got. Now what are you going to do? Oh my so I God. looked at my wife, and I said, <laughs> okay. They just gave me every single thing I asked for. Um, <laughs> what, what am I going to yeah, do? You can't say no now. You know what she said? What? You idiot, you're going to sign it. <laughs> so then... Shout out to Mrs. Rogan. Right, I, I went, and I talked to Don. I said, Don, I mean, my God, they're offering me... I'm not filling in. Oh I want to give me, he goes, How did right. Don take it? Well, he goes, oh, we're going to work together again. You go. Wow. You go. That's love right there. Okay. So I went. Mm-hmm. I did that for like two and a half years. Yeah. Okay. Then I had enough. I it had was enough KFWB there. before right. the Beast 98. KFWB. Right. Remember? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 98. Yeah. 22. We'll give you the world. In 22 and, minutes. Yes. Right? <laughs> All news, all the time. You give us 22 minutes, we'll give you the world. It's 51 degrees in Hollywood. So I, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. So then I called and I said, well, I'm going to leave there. I'm going to leave. <laughs> and you were able to opt out because yeah, that was in That it. was it. Wow. And then, and then I opt out. Then like six months later, they shut the whole state. Yeah, down. I remember it flipped to like uh, uh, Korean. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. All right. So anyway, I, uh, it was a Monday mm-hmm. and I said goodbye on the Beast 980, mm-hmm. I was back on the air here Thursday. Oh, what? That's that Fred Rogan clout, though, man. Right. Well, I was back on, filling in, you know, and it's like I'd never left, and yeah. Petros and I are working together. Yeah. So then what happened was, um, th- I'm here almost every day doing something. Yeah. Either their midday show, I'm filling in for one of the afternoon guys, and I just finally said to Don, I said, you know what, Don, this is great. I love filling in here. You have to understand that I'm not going to leave I'm just going to show up every day. Like you did at the very beginning yeah. in your first job. You kept I'm, calling. I'm not leaving. So you should know that. I'm, I will be here every day. 
If you have nothing for me to do, I'll still be here. You every just come in and day. sit here in the in the. Well, they always had something for me to do. Yeah, of course. So I'll but, put but, you to work. You know, I, I just told them I'm not going anywhere. Right. I I mean, I've left and now I'm back, and this is where I'm going to be. Um, there was uh, some sniffing around to see if I would be interested in leaving. <laughs> yeah. Here at a point. When I'm never leaving here again. No, you, you so love I'm it here. here. You're, and you're not leaving NBC for LA either, right? The dean well, is there to stay. You know, the, the dean will stay as long as the business. Yeah. Um, but even supports all of you, the dean staying. Yeah. All I'll three like of you, that. though, you, Colleen, and Chuck are the gang. You're the original. But here's the thing, Sketch. You have to understand. As as media has changed, the relevance of what we do on television has yeah. changed dramatically. Yeah. So I, I would suggest that, yeah, it's great to have that equity and longevity. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is, um, it doesn't it doesn't mean as much as it used to. I you know, you. if we're there every night doing it, yeah. but there are 20 people instead of 20,000 watching. It's different. I hear you, man. And, 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 and you know, look, watching habits are much different nowadays. Yeah. I mean, I'll just put it like this. How long will I be there? As long as I'm there. Um, but you're staying in radio, though. Oh, I'm not going. Anywhere. Yeah, no, you're. Like oh, no, you no, said, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. But um, Vin Scully retired. I know. Vin Scully retired. The greatest of all. I know. Time. That's wild. I feel like so, he just could have kept going. I wish he did. But then again, how old was he when he retired? Oh, he was like 80 something. right? Yeah, he, late 80. I mean, that is that's what I want to do. I want to keep going until like you got to push me out. Yeah, but know? he was so good at what he yes. did. And, and but when he retired, you know what he said? I'll miss you more than you'll miss me. Yes. You and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And he said, uh, you know, they'll be in a year or two. Right. They, they'll say, you know what? There was some guy named Scully that used to do the Dodgers. Not some guy. That well, guy. But is that's the what man. he said. And, you know, to a degree, he understood. Absolutely. And so do I. Mm-hmm. One day, you know what? I, I can't. I was trying to think of it the other day. I don't know how many people sat in my chair at Channel 4. I think Channel 4 has been around 75 years. Yeah. Bryant Gumbel sat there, Stu Nahan, Tommy Hawkins, Chick Hearn, Lynn Shackelford, Rayford Legend. Johnson. I mean, the greats. Okay. But if it's been around 75 years, yeah, I've been in that chair for 42 of them. There haven't been many of us. No. But when one goes... Another one steps in, and that's just the way it's. Supposed yeah, that's to be. just the way the flow of of the business and whatnot. But I mean, I am very grateful to still have really only you because I only know you. But when I see you with them, it's again, it's a sense of comfort and home to me. And I lived outside of L.A. and I moved back. And I'll tell you, there's nothing like living in Los Angeles, hearing you on KLAC AM five seventy, watching you on NBC four LA, and of course being able to be a part of the challenge with you and Petros Papadakis. I mean, it's it's a real a dream come true. And I want to thank you, Fred, for not only doing this podcast, but for believing in me to take on the obligations of not only doing the challenge, the Dean's office, and then of a Rogan's Heroes Thanksgiving, which is coming up this Thanksgiving. And I'd like to wish you a happy Thanksgiving to you and, and the family. Back at you, Sketch, and thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Fred Rogan, on the sketch Show podcast, The Dean. Also, I'm going to shout out to a buddy of ours. Sketch. Oh, yeah, the voiceover guy. Right. He's the opening voice of the show, one of the best voice imaging guys in Los Angeles, and a great person. Sketch, thank you very much for this season. Alarmingly slim. He is slim. Oh, good for you. And how was it? 